And we're back. Welcome to uh, episode 13 of t- uh, Tuesday Night Live. Uh, after our mandated uh, collective bargaining agreement uh, week off, uh, we're back. And apparently a few of us are on an extended break because they haven't turned up. So at the moment, it's just <laughs> welcome to Nikki. How are you going, Nick? I'm going good. Yeah, I don't know what all these slackers are doing, but uh, never mind. We'll kick on and hopefully they rock up at some point. Otherwise, it's just going to be you and me again. Well, you know, it could be worse. Could be worse. Could be worse. So, <laughs> be just you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be worse. That's already happened and it wasn't a good time, I can tell you that much. So, what'd you do on your so, break? Well, weirdly enough, the buy actually felt like a win because of Port's. Um, Performance. Oh, horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. They're in a world of pain at the moment, that club. And I think most of us actually saw it coming. Well, I think the the impartials amongst us uh, did, although you could probably say that we're biased, but um, I think now the media... No, the media are now cottoning on to the fact that they're in in a bit of hurt now too. Um, You know, losing to the Dockers, yeah, it was over there. But the way the Dockers have been playing lately and uh, Port, you know, 6-6, six and six, um, you'd expect them to get over the line and they just didn't look anywhere near it. Yeah, I might watch it last quarter again a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, Nikki, I will play your wonderful little intro music and we'll have a chat about uh, what's going on at the moment in the world of the AFL. Awesome. Well, seeing we actually weren't on last week and the announcement happened on Wednesday, but we have a women's team. So we were one of the eight inaugural licenses in the women's league. I actually think the AFL's done something quite clever about that in putting it early in the season because what that then means is that those players go back to their home clubs and their local leagues and it creates a bit of interest for people to then, well, hang on, I could do that and join in there. So I I think that was quite clever. Um, I get the inkling that what they'll do is they'll shorten games because it will be in summer. So we'll have some, yeah, they'll they'll, they'll be shortened quarters, I, I suspect. Yeah. Um, by the sounds of it, though, I was quite impressed with what Frio put together. I think it was a 189-page tender document. Oh. And they were very, very thorough. And what they've actually done is they've linked in with Curtin University and also the local council area. Right. And so the players, the players who are going to play for their team will either have study options or employment options through the council, the university and the football club. So they're not they weren't just looking at, yes, we're going to have a team and this is a background to it. It's well, we're actually creating this whole environment around them to actually help support um these women as well because to be fair, it's not a lot of money. I know there was a bit of furor regarding Daisy Pierce's comments. Um, that if she couldn't play for Melbourne, she'd have to think about whether she would give the game up or not. And she's basically the best player in the game. Yeah. Um, for for the women, 
But what people forgot to understand is she's actually employed by Melbourne. So if she gets drafted by one of the other clubs, she has to quit her job. Because she cannot... She can't be at another AFL club and employed by Melbourne. The no, other that's... AFL club won't like it and Melbourne won't like it. Yeah. Well, I think what people need to understand is that we're at the embryonic stage of women's football and a lot of people are dismissing it as, you know, a bit of a fad or, you know, a, a, um, a quirky little thing to add on to the, uh, to the main game. But... You know, you've got to look forward in these things. And, and in 10 years' time, you can see that if they pour enough money into it and if the clubs that have tended um, actually devote enough resources uh, to it, it's it's a viable league and it's a league that I think um, will really um, serve to um, grow the game exponentially through both genders. And it's, it's going to cut into netball. And netball is probably the biggest... Um, well, obviously the biggest opponent to in women's sport. Um, and I've already heard some comments from the netball people that whilst they're fairly dismissive, um, you can also hear that their ears are pricked up and that we've got their attention. Soccer's the other one as well. Um, there's a lot of girls who are, I know, on my team and I think on a lot of other teams who play soccer as well. And yeah. it actually, And that does actually translate quite nicely. Um, for them. And even though the Matildas are actually quite good, they're still very limited. Um, that, that's a very pointy end there. You've got, you've got a better chance of actually getting fairly high up in terms of football than yeah. you would in, in the soccer. So you might see a few swapping over from there as well. And, you know, it's interesting because I've heard some comments about, um, you know, the Matildas getting beaten by some under-15s team or under-16s team or something or other. People need to forget about the comparison between male and female football uh, or male and female sport in general. Um, the women's league needs to stand on its own merits. And I think yeah. as these uh, girls come through and as uh, the training and the pathway crystallises for these uh uh, for these players through the through the school system and whatnot in the club system, um, we're going to see the standard rise uh, quite rapidly, I think. And uh, 10 years' time, I think we're going to have a viable league. I actually quite liked um, Andy McKay from Carlton's. It was his eldest daughter who ran out um, in the announcement. And when they kind of talked about a father-daughter, um, you know, that might come in. Um, for those teams who who have women's teams, the grin on her face, you know, she's a teenage girl and she's like, yeah, I want to play for the same club that my dad played for. It's, I mean, it's nice to still keep that tradition. We're we're very unusual in a sport having the father-son rule. And so actually bringing that in, that's another nice little, it's a nice little thing. Yeah, I agree. And again, you know, why should girls be any different to boys wanting to do what their dads did or their mums did or whatever? You know, I mean, we we do value that that lineage in our in our sport, um, and we are unique in that regard. And I think it is worth preserving. So I'm glad they've put that in. Um, hopefully, actually, I've I've um, asked the club if we can have uh, someone come on and have a bit more of a chat about uh, the Adelaide's um, team. So uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll have someone on there to give us a bit of an insight into what our football club are doing um, with their team. Oh, that'd be great. 
Because it's very interesting starting a club from scratch. And I think we've got a bit of advantage in that it really actually wasn't that long ago since the Crows were formed. That's and right. th- th- there's still that bit of knowledge that's sitting around about that. So I think that'll that'll help. And it's probably a good segue, Nikki, into the headline that's been <laughs> dominating at the moment, uh, Mr. Maguire and his team. <sighs> I yes. can't wait to hear your take on this. Macy still has a job, but he's a bully. We know that. Um, I'm amazed it took him four goes to get the apology right, considering he's had an awful lot of practice at having to do apologies before. Yeah. Um, oh, there's been some comments that uh, if he said it about a bloke, it wouldn't be a problem. Well, you can't bring that straw man argument in. He didn't say about a bloke. He said it about a woman journalist who he has long had a very contentious relationship with. He does not like being questioned. And I, I don't always like what Caroline Wilson writes but I have always respected her as a journalist because she will she'll she's pretty much always done her research and she backs it up. She is actually quite a quality journalist. A lot of people will disagree on that, but even if you don't agree with her opinions, she's always got a reasoning behind why she backs it up. Um the little bullying that he did and it was essentially bullying, it's just Sorry, it's not on in this day and age. It's not political correctness gone mad. It is basically having respect for other people. And if you can't have respect for other people, I have very limited respect for you. Well, I think there's two two issues at play here, and I think you touched on, on one. Um, the first one is that Eddie basically played the man. Um, she wrote an article oh, about yeah. his tenure at Collingwood coming to an end. Um, he obviously didn't like it. She said quite rightly that it was an opinion piece. It was her opinion um, based on things that she'd heard and her own observations. Um, and as you mentioned, Eddie doesn't like being called to question and that club really needs to be held to account both by its members and the wider AFL community at the moment. So she was doing her job and Eddie decided to play the man. So that's that's the first thing and, and that in and of itself... Definitely has nothing to do with gender. Even if it had gone gone up against, I don't know, Tim Watson or someone like that, he still would have been playing the man. So it's poor form from that regard. But then on top of that, he's got to understand, and this is where Eddie falls uh, falls down. All the time. In, in, in a perfect world, you can make comments about another individual and their gender has nothing to do with it, right? So in a perfect world... We don't say that um, the Orlando shooting happened at a gay bar. We It happened at a bar. You know, we don't yep. say that domestic violence occurs towards women. We say that it occurs against people, right? But unfortunately, we don't live in that world. And Eddie being a public figure, the leader of a club, uh, the highest profile club in the country, needs to understand that he has an obligation and a role to play um, in ridding our society or assisting in ridding our society of domestic violence against against women. 
So, and I have no doubt that Eddie's comments in and of themselves were not intended to be um, sexist um, and they weren't intended to promote domestic violence. But what Eddie doesn't understand is that when he protests on that basis, and, and I'm sure he has privately and even his apology was couched in those words, what he doesn't understand is that it's completely hypocritical to donate money to a domestic violence cause and then, on the other hand, be part of the conversation that just allows society to continue to have to tolerate domestic violence against women. And he needs to understand his place in the conversation and I honestly don't think he can. He wasn't able to do it in racist uh, conversation uh, with Adam Goods and... I, for one, thought that Goods completely overreacted in that particular regard. But again, there's... He has a right to. And we're not living in a perfect world where race is no longer an issue, just the same as uh, gender is no longer an issue or sexuality is no longer an issue. So until we're in that world, we do have to be mindful of trying to create that change. If we don't actually commit to creating the change by not saying the things that Eddie has said, you know, over the course of the last week or so, then we're never going to be in that perfect world. So that that's my that's my view on it anyway. Yeah, see, we by talking about domestic violence against women and words and sayings that kind of sit in our society that we accept, and I've been guilty of it as well. I mean, I know I've made jokes even on here about smacking somebody. I wouldn't physically do that, but it's something that we accept and we shouldn't be accepting it. So I've actually been mindful of it and, and trying to, to think of it. That's not to say that we're diminishing the fact that domestic violence happens against men. It does, but that has a different cause and a different society um, influences are happen, happen to cause that than what it does against domestic violence against women. And also the numbers, the proportion is ridiculously high. If anybody does not understand, yeah, and if anybody doesn't understand that words actually influence that kind of action, just look at the latest adverts that the federal government are putting out and also go on Google and search Ken Lay um, Elimination Against Violence Speech. The entire speech is up there in its transcript. He is speaking. Now, he is the former commissioner of police in Victoria um, and he was actually talking, the speech that he gave, it was all to do about this research that they'd completed, which was about how society actually looks at it and the words people use and how that actually influences domestic violence against women. So there is research that backs up that words are responsible to it and there's a lot of it and it's incredibly damning. So I think people need to actually have a look at that. But the other thing to me is... No, it's not. Well, yeah, some people still keep trying to. Well, of course. And, and it, I it think does. what people and what also, people are trying to sorry to butt in. I think what the people that okay. are complaining about political correctness, I actually understand their their point of view. I, I really do. But the point is, we're not at a point where we can no. 
have a discussion about a, an individual where we don't have to be mindful of gender issues and domestic violence issues and sexuality issues. We're not at that point. So whilst we'd all love to be able to say something off the cuff and for people not to be offended by it, we're not there yet. So until we're there, we do have to make a conscious effort to rid ourselves of that kind of language, like you said. And until we're there, the people that are moaning about political correctness, this this isn't about political correctness. This is actually about changing um, groupthink in society. And until we do that, we, we do have to be mindful. And just looking at my position here, I mean, you guys listen to my opinion and some respect it, some ignore it. That's fine. I, I don't but when I to first, <laughs> You never have. <laughs> but when I first joined the board, my username is very obviously female. And I would ask questions, I would respond to people. For the first month or so, I wasn't getting responded to. And yeah. I would see new users come on and a username, you didn't know whether it was male or female, but I think most people just assumed it was male and they would get responded to. And I'm sitting there going, well, you know, why not me? It's because I've been on the board so long that people have gotten used to my voice in a way, although you, for some of them they're hearing it for the first time. Well, you just went to the top and, and became a moderator <laughs> and they had to bloody listen to you. Well, no, I didn't. Everybody nominated me for that. That was actually the board was asked and they all pointed their finger at me, go get Nikki to do it. And I'm like, what? Okay. See, they've all got mother issues. They've all got mummy issues, Nick. They do. But I've got that background. So I'm actually quite lucky in a way being a female in a male-dominated area because I've got that (laughs) respect-ish. I'm using that in very loose terms. But a lot of other females don't. And we we understand that we're coming into a space that is traditionally male-dominated male and hence why that, that women's team, to me, is it's such an important thing is that, look, I love the sport. I've gone out and played it. I'm never going to play in that level, at that level, but I don't care. It's just the same as a guy who knows he's not going to – play at AFL level, but he's going to go up and play for his amateur or his Div 7 team. You know, we love the game just as much and it's – Well, I mean – But you're right, we're we're not at an equal balance yet. No, that's right. And, look, I mean, we need to close this off, but one thing that's really – Well, we're getting quite political. And the one thing that I will (laughs) say is that I've noticed in this election campaign – the difference in language that the Liberals are using towards Shorten as opposed to the last time when Julia Gillard was PM. And oh, the, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's stark. And it really highlights how disgustingly sexist uh, their campaign against Julia Gillard was. And whether you like her politics or not, and, you know, I don't want to get any more political than this, the, the, uh, the manner in which the media allowed uh, one party, one group of, 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 of people to vilify Gillard either directly or indirectly based on her gender was quite amazing when you, when you compare it to the manner in which this particular campaign is being run. Anyway. 
Or should we move on to the next fun thing? Yeah, let's do that. Ah, oh, Brad Scott's $30,000 lighter in the pocket. North Melbourne of $50,000 lighter in the pocket for being a bit stupid on Friday night. Yeah, I wonder who the guy was uh, that fed Brad Scott that information a couple of minutes before the presser because uh, it'll be interesting to see where, whether he keeps his job. Yeah, um, it was it was kind of interesting because when I heard the comments, I'm like, oh, you shouldn't have said it. But I remember that free kick in the first quarter that should have gone to Lindsay Thomas and which on Monday Hayden Kennedy did confirm should have been a free kick to him. And then the other one where they they said he got him high and they paid the the free against him. And I'm just like, he hit him fair and square on the side mm. just because I grabbed his head. Um, I do think Lindsay was hard done by in that game. But, yeah, Brad, that's not the way you go about it. Um, no. Are we also – are we going to give um, – Luke Beveridge, the Cockwomble Numbnut of the Week Award, just because oh. he didn't come out and call Brad Scott disgusting for hey, questioning we, the umpires. You can't introduce Cockwombling Numbnut nominations before I've played the tune, <laughs> so we'll leave that to later. But, yeah, I do agree. He's been, I think we've uh, kind of heard the nominees. His silence has been deafening on the whole matter. Look, I, I think Brad Scott painted himself into a corner when he said that he was coaching his players to uh, to draw freeze. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, look, it's interesting. The, the side issue for me is it's very interesting that there seems to be more and more issues now coming out with the umpires. We had Bannister tweeting and now this particular issue and uh, Kennedy's been quite um, prominent in the media. All this has happened since Wayne Campbell uh, buggered off to GWS. So uh, I mentioned the other week that I thought there might have been some uh, a few little undercurrents of unrest in the umpiring fraternity and I haven't seen anything that really... Uh, really detracts from that uh, opinion at the moment. I think the umpires are in disarray and uh, Mark Evans needs to uh, pull the reins in, I think. And I'm going to have a go at Damp Squid because he reckons I need to get the award for not showing up to my own podcast, surely. Well, I'm, I'm going to bloody while back ago. that. <laughs> I've I'm turned up to this up. one. Other It'll... people haven't turned up to this. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Thank God for that too. And the other week I was in Melbourne, so I had a valid excuse. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realise. So did you tra- tell me you were in Melbourne? Hang on. Did you tell me you yes. were going to Melbourne? I don't know whether you did. Yes, I did. I did. You just forgot. Yeah, well, that's. if you knew me, Nikki, you'd know that that's not a, uh, that's not a one-off <laughs> event. So uh, I, I told you on the Tuesday. Calendar. Yeah, you probably did. <laughs> so, so it was like too far out, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Th- but they're basically the, the main issues that have kind of taken the attention this week. And Port would be very, very thankful because, yeah. No, there is another Otherwise issue that I'd want to talk them. about. Oh, which one? Uh, we had Craig Hutchinson coming out on Footy Classified uh, last night. Oh, yes. Essentially accusing uh, Mark Rashido of influencing the commentary team or the the commentary group at Fox Footy in trying to talk down Josh Jenkins' um, uh, value on the market. And whilst Hutchie couched it in, he's heard from the Jenkins camp, quote-unquote, he was very forthright. Now, I heard Rashido's reply to that this morning, and I've got to say, I wasn't convinced. 
He he basically said that Kerry speaks his mind, that Kingy speaks his mind, but he didn't actually come out and say, I didn't tell them to do it. Well, he doesn't actually have to. No, he doesn't have to. But I no. found it interesting that the fact that he did address it um, and was given the opportunity and the airtime to address it by Dittmar, I would have thought the first thing that would come out of his mouth is it's ridiculous for anyone to suggest that I would have any part in influencing commentary in order to talk down the value of one of our players. He didn't at any stage say that. What he did say was that Duck would say would say whatever he wants and Kingy would say whatever he wants. So... Uh, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, Rashido's been called out. Maybe he just didn't word his uh, response uh, particularly well. I'm not sure. I just It just struck me this morning as I was driving to work. Um, we're in the midst of contract negotiations. You don't kind of talk in absolutes so much when something like that going on. For me, it was Hutchie was basically being Connor's mouthpiece. Um, And we all know what Connor's like. And he worded it in such a way that he wasn't saying that Rue had done it. He's saying that there's certain people in the Jenkins camp who think he did. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and, yeah, I don't and know. we all Look, agree, Jenkins isn't worth seven hundred and fifty a year. We love him, and he's integral to the success of our team at the moment. But he's not worth seven hundred and fifty k a year. He's not worth two hundred more than Eddie. Look, he's I not think, worth more than tax. I think it actually um, um, it highlights a couple of things. First of all, Paul Connors is an excellent team uh, player manager. Oh, yeah. Um, certainly, if you were a player, um, he certainly comes across as one who would go that extra yard to get you every last cent that he possibly can. But I would question the integrity of Craig Hutchinson to come out in the media with, and this is this is what shits me about the media at the moment, he comes out and makes a statement um, essentially accusing Mark Rashido of manipulating the media which is a pretty big call considering Rue is on the board um, as well as um, obviously part of the Fox footy team. But at no stage did he ever seek out Rashido for comment. And this is where the integrity no. of blokes like um, Hutchison falls away. And this is the difference between Hutchison and uh, Caro and even Damien Barrett, who I think um, for all his faults has a lot more integrity uh, journalistically than someone like Hutchinson. Hutchison is just a snivelling muckraker and since he's taken over that show from Gary Lyons, he's just turned into pot shot after pot shot at individuals in the in the uh, industry, coaches, players, um, and now blokes like Rue. And you'd just like a bloke like Hutchison to go and fact check before he actually airs something like that. But that's not the way he works. He's a cl- he's clickbait. Absolutely. He works on the clickbait headline. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually agree with you about Barrett. A lot of people will have a go at Barrett, but he's very rarely wrong. I think he's quite meticulous, actually, in how he goes goes about it. Um, yeah, he and, does. Yeah. So anyway, I I didn't like the way Hutchinson did that. I think you know, making an accusation like that without 
giving the bloke the right of reply or even going going to check a fact um, is not the right way to go about things. Um, I thought Rui could have handled the, the response a little bit better this morning. Uh, it did leave it a little bit open, but uh, as you say, the bottom line is uh, JJ isn't worth 750k, and if someone wants to pay him 750k and he wants to take it, well, it's probably... Yeah, I mean, uh, good on him. You know, good on him. Anyway... Any other news going around at the moment? I think that's probably about it. Yeah, they're, they're the main ones. So um, I've had the opportunity to talk about the West Coast game. You have. Uh, I haven't. I, I, I might give you a 30, minute, uh, 30 minutes, 30 seconds just to uh, <laughs> 30 seconds. Ex- express your wonder at the uh, beautiful last quarter that, that occurred over in Domain last week. Um, hilariously, I was watching the game at my friend's place in Melbourne. Um, she discovered I'm very unsociable when <laughs> football is on. Um, she didn't quite understand. When she's sitting behind me and she's asking questions, I'm not going to turn around. Right. I'm going to keep watching the game. Shut up and give me the remote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I actually missed the start. I missed Eddie's first goal because I let her watch the end of um, Lilo and Stitch. Oh, so. my God. What? Lilo and Stitch? <laughs> yeah. We just How? flicked channels and it was on. So I let her watch the end of that. Okay. All right. You know, some people like Disney movies. <laughs> and, and plus Stitch is kind of hilarious. I, okay. I know you're in TV cosplay. Really, so. <laughs> it was really interesting watching that last quarter because I thought the third quarter we, we definitely started to get the ascendancy. But that last quarter was was pretty damn good and I'm watching it thinking they're tired meaning yeah. West Coast yeah they couldn't hit targets so in order to beat us they have to run that hard and we wore them out yeah I think you're right uh, you could see it um you could see it turning even in the second half of the second quarter actually I, yeah I think there was a little bit of, there as well yeah we got back to parity uh, in terms of work rate um you know, two-thirds of the way through the second quarter. And then, you know, it was a bit of an arm wrestle through the third and we really tightened up the contest around the ball and uh, we started to limit their, their impact at the clearance. Um, and as you say, by the by the last, um, they were stuffed and we just ran all over them. It was fantastic. And I just think the midfield able to pull themselves out, the little rut that they had, they weren't playing well. And our coaching staff to actually be able to get them to switch and make some changes within a game, is incredibly positive. Yeah, and, you know, um, for those who haven't seen it, uh, it was highlighted on the board and I actually uh, heard it uh, live on SEN last, uh, I think it was Friday. Um, David King and... uh, uh, Luffy? uh, Luff, that's right. Um, From Champion Data. That's right. Talking talking about us, uh, more specifically about our recruiting, but the comment was made that the ability by um, Pikey and the coaching staff to tweak our game plan mid-season uh, to arrest um, uh, our leaking of inside 50s or defensive 50s. And now that example of the West Coast game where he was able to tweak our setup and our um, our game plan mid-match, which you don't see very often, as much as there's you know great advances in coaching at the moment, you don't see a lot of switching mid-match, and we really did change it up 
mid-match. It seems to me that Pike's got very clear messages and he is able to deliver those messages in a way that the players are able to understand and implement very quickly. Yeah. And we even saw that our game plan is such that, okay, this is how we play, but we can tweak it this way for this team. We can tweak it that way for that team. The Sydney game's um, a perfect example of it. We were still kind of playing our game, but with some little adjustments to counter them. Yep. Well, there was no doubt that and, we squeezed up the ground. And that's going to get you success. Yeah, we, we definitely squeezed up the ground against West Coast. Um, we crowded the contest because really it was a British show in the first half. It, it, it went a bit under the radar in the commentary, but he just kept shoveling the ball out. Um, and they had enough space around the clearance uh, for Gaff and Chewy and those blokes to, to, uh, you know, to win, win possession and, and get it moving their way. Whereas in the second half in particular... That just dried up from it. it was a real arm wrestle and, and they were struggling to clear the stoppages um, because we had more numbers around the contest. And um, I, I don't know, it would, uh, it's the one thing that sticks out for me about uh, our team under Don Pike uh, that we haven't had for quite some time is the ability to adjust uh, without losing our own shape um, during games. So um, a big tick for mine. Anything else you wanted to point out before we move on to uh, the North game coming up? Um, I actually like sometimes where we've where we've seen we've ended up with like three of what we might consider our wingmen all on the same wing at the moment, passing to each other. I mean, there was that great little passage of play between um, Smith, Atkins, and McKay. And they're all on the one wing. And I'm like, but you guys are all there. Run- okay. <laughs> There's that ball going into the forward line. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So yeah. I, I quite like that, that there's those little tweaks as well. We're not – we're playing the game a little differently. Yeah, there's some there's some flexibility there. And, uh, you know, that's probably another uh, product of really squeezing up the contest because no, not only did we compress the ground lengthways, but we also played played the ground in basically two lanes. Um you know, uh, we didn't uh, really have too many. We had players behind the ball, but we didn't have too many outliers. Um, everyone was spreading very well once we gained possession. Um, so, uh, very good. Anyway, um, we have. Oh, go on. The, the one, the one other love is just at the end when they sang that song. Was Tex trying to get Pikey into the circle yeah. to join them? Yeah, and he so. wouldn't have a bar of it. Um, and also I love the fact that the three Rorys always make sure that they're next to each other when we sing the song, even if one's on the other side of the, the circle, he quickly runs so that the three of them are standing next to each other. <laughs> but did you hear Laddie um, in the aftermatch admitted that Pikey, when he came into the the team meeting afterwards, he, he did a little, little dance. <laughs> he was quite pleased. Yeah. And in well, Laddie's own words, Pikey should probably stay away from the dance floor. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, he had he had good reason to be pleased. I mean, any win over there yeah. is a good win, but to come from, you know, two, three goals down um, and not really looking in it, um, to be able to turn it around in the space of a quarter and, and basically win comfortably and inflict such a demoralising win against a fellow top eight contender, um, pretty satisfying, I would have thought, especially against the old club. So... Anyway, we have bigger fish to fry this week, and so we do. I'm going to play our nice little intro into our discussion on Thursday night's game against North Melbourne.
Lynch with that space to open up the angle, snap it back and get another one for the Crows. Atkins with a long kick inside 50. McGovern, the target. Through the hands of Atlee, there a chance here. McKay picks up, plenty of time, and he snaps a goal. Remarkable stuff. The speedster, the former pie, kicks it high towards Jenkins. He threw right out of the way. Jenkins goes again, trying to take on two. Bust to another. The snap off the left. Jenkins, what a remarkable goal. One back in the Jenkins direction again. Farina right with him. Oh, spills to Walker. Top of the square. He'll bang it through for his second. Led looking inside 50. Jenkins, test of strength. He's got it. Too strong, Josh Jenkins. He's got back in numbers. Looking for Jenkins again. He was in his hands. Spills now. Hamble out to Douglas. And he just sneaks it home. Three minutes and 20 seconds remaining. Still time for either side, obviously. Here's White from 50 metres. Clever kick. Very clever kick. Oh! it off the ground. That could be the match-winning goal by Garner. And that was the tail of the tape when we last met, Nikki, uh, down by 10 points Boom. in round one. Yeah, many would suggest lost at the selection table. Um, obviously, Including the, the club has said so. Yeah, well, pretty much. Um, and, you know, that's been reflected in selection. Hardigan hasn't uh, been a non-selection since that game. So uh, they've got a couple of key outs or certainly some doubtfuls and uh, Scorpus will cover that to, uh, tomorrow. Um Rather than Thursday, tomorrow uh, will be our preview cast and he'll obviously cover the ins and outs. But they've got a few key midfielders in doubt. Uh, Goldstein is also uh, a bit sore. Um, and I also th- I'm also i not sure whether weight's up for consideration this week as well. So we're fit and healthy and firing coming off a 10-day break. They're coming off two six-day breaks, travelling and with some injury concerns. You would expect us to uh, start favourites in this game, wouldn't you think? Oh, definitely. For me, it's it's not just a six-day break. It's the type of game they played last Friday because that was intense from the start. Everybody was getting bashed from pillar to post. That's not going to help. And then also the spotlight on their club all this weekend, even though the players would – and they'll try to keep the players out of it a little bit, you still would know exactly what's going on. So I think – that's possibly going to help us a, a little bit more than what our home ground advantage and our um, freshness should do. Yeah, I, I think they're a bit under the pump at the moment and that was shown by Brad Scott making the area that he did. Um, they certainly came out hard against uh, Hawthorne and, and threw everything at them um, and probably should have won the game. And the fact that they didn't win the game... Um, is probably just going to add pressure to them because North can't afford to drop too many more. Um, I think everyone was predicting that they'd fall out of the top four at some stage given their draw, um, and it's playing out that way. So uh, they'll be under the pump at the moment, North Melbourne. See, with White, he was on before the game, Um and I heard him being interviewed, he actually admitted that he's had a hip problem. And so they rested him that week in the hope that he would be right to play against us. Now, it's going to be wet, 
that's yeah. probably not the best time you want to be playing somebody with a hip problem who can't really move that well. And I can imagine that Hardigan's going to hit him a number of times. Well, yeah, I don't think he's going to get it all his own way like he did in the, in uh, game one or round one. Um, you know, obviously we didn't match up well against their three tools and Waite was able to get off the chain, um, as were their other two tools at, at various stages. I, I think the key... Um, uh, for this particular contest, given given as uh, Dampsgood points out in the in the chat, the uh, the forecast not being too bright for Thursday night, um, is that we need to continue that manic pressure around the stoppage. Um, we need to be able to counter blokes like Huntington, who uh, I, I rate as a, a very good inside He's player. Good. Yep, um, we need to limit uh, their first use, um, and we also need to obviously watch uh, the little ducker down. <laughs> Down in the forward line because it'll be conditions made to measure for him. Except Brown's played against him pretty much all of the times and he's done quite well on him. Yeah, he gave us a bit of trouble in the in round one. Um, he's one of those blokes that only needs a few posies and he tends to bob up um, yeah. when you don't want him to. Um, I, I think with, with Brownie and, and Laird and even Cheney to a degree, or Cheney, I'm sorry, Kyle. Um, <laughs> Better Cheney. Bettuccini, yep. Um, you know, I think we have the manpower. Uh, that other young lad, Bob, what was his name? The guy that kicked the last goal last last game. Um, oh, um, yeah, he played well, but God, he couldn't kick for goal. No. So I, look, Really I nice think, left footer. Yeah, I, I think we've got them covered. I think we've got the game to match them. Um, and it's funny, uh, we're certainly uh, on the rise with a bullet at the moment, whereas North, as I said, are tailing off. So... Uh, you know, to be honest, I'd be disappointed if we lost this game. I, th- I don't think it'll be an easy game, particularly if it, it turns out to be wet like they're suggesting. Um, but I would suggest home ground, um, you know, the practicalities of the of the different breaks and their injury concerns at the moment. Um, I would expect a five-goal victory at least. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, that would be acceptable, particularly considering the weather. If it was going to be a bit finer, um, you'd think we might be able to run away with it a little bit more. I mean, Brown's a good mark and he is hard to stop. But they're, I think they're limited in their scoring power if you can restrict their midfield. And Swallow Swallow's very much the key to that. When he got injured... That really hurt them last week. Yeah, because he's very clean. He's, he's got he still that came back on, but he just wasn't the same player what he was in, in pretty much the first half. So I think it's like we did against West Coast. It's going to be our midfield that really are once again going to have to be really mindful while still playing our game to counter theirs. And, you know, I think... Um... What I'm more interested in seeing uh, on Thursday night is our intensity. Um, you know, the danger coming off a long break um, after such a such a good win. Uh, you come back all refreshed in that, but you've forgotten, um, you know, the intensity, intensity that got you th- in the first place. Um, this game, I think, sets us up for the next half of the season and our run into the finals. And I think... It'll be very disappointing if the boys come out flat-footed in the first quarter. I think we need to make a statement that the West Coast Eagles game was the Adelaide Crows, and that's what people can 
can expect um, from us. Um, if we allow them to hang around and, you know, um, we stay off them in the contest and we don't tackle hard, um, I'll be quite disappointed. I, I would like to see us uh, really stamp our authority on the game early um, because it's a game that we need to win. This is We are now through yep. our difficult part of the draw um, and we cannot afford to drop any more home games and we certainly need to take out top eight teams who are above us if we're going to replace them because we need a top four spot. And it's interesting looking at the draw for the rest of the year. I would say the vast majority of them are actually very winnable. There's only two that I'd put down as, yeah, these these could be trouble, and that's Geelong down at Geelong. Yeah. And the showdown because it's a showdown. Yeah. I and they won't have anything to lose probably. Um, I don't think Frio over at Domain are going to scare us. They've they started to hit some nice form, but um, I don't think they, they're going to um, scare us after what we did to West Coast. And so far the coaching staff has got a very big tick for me because we kind of we talked about doing a little mid-season report marker out of 10, and I actually thought about it and I ended up giving us a nine, yeah. purely because on where we expected to be and what our coaching staff has been able to deliver and as we talked about before, that ability to make those changes up, effort comes down to coaching and kind of getting them in that right mindset Yep. in a way. It is up to the players as well, but you create that environment around them to encourage them to be in the right headspace. Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> it's, um, as I said, I think, it, I think it's a key game just for the point of view of, the, of coming back from the break. You know, we have a 10-day break and then we have another 10-day break um, to the next game against, is it Melbourne, I think? Yeah. Um, so, you know, that in itself poses some um, challenges around mental attitude and I think it'll be uh, key for the players to show that they're up and about. Um, we won't spend too much more time in this game, obviously, because Corpus will cover it in more depth uh, when we get selections. But I, I'm interested to see whether you think there will be any changes. Um, I don't think so. Uh, apparently, not apparently, Pike actually said that Brad Crouch is close um, to really pushing back for selection again. He was quite pleased with, especially with what he did against Norwood um, in the SANFL. But you've got to reward that team that did so well against West Coast. And, uh, and looking at the team that we put against West Coast, they kind of match up quite well against um, North as well because West Coast have quite a tall forward line, some damaging smalls. The midfield, they've got some hard runners. We matched up on, on them. And then it's just that forward line has got to be a nightmare for most opposition teams. They just kind of look at it and go, holy hell, how do we stop all of them? Yeah. I don't expect any changes either this week unless they're forced. Um, Brad would be knocking down the door. I think it was good to see um, Pikey give him a bit of a tick. I think uh, it's important to, to keep Brad up and about. Um, and I'd expect him to come in, um, you know, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, who for, who knows yet. But I, I think we've got the balance pretty right now. Um, a couple of blokes probably need to um, pick it up. Dougie in particular, I think, needs to um, uh, pick up his output. 
Um, but I, aside from that, I think you, we're pretty right. When you talked about the West Coast game, did you think he was doing a defensive job up forward? Because it was very interesting he was playing on that half-forward line and we know that West Coast are damaging with that runoff of the half-back line. Yeah, look, I think I think it's giving Dougie an out to continually say that he was playing a negating role. I can, I can certainly cop it when he was playing through the midfield, but he did play predominantly up forward against West Coast. And whilst he might have had a mining job on a Hearn or someone like that, um, I... I no, we need more from from Dougie. I reckon he he had the opportunity. He took a couple yeah. of nice grabs, kicked a couple of clutch goals. Um, so from that point of view, as a forward, he you know you could say he did his job. Um, but he he's a senior player, and um, he needs to be giving us more, even in a defensive run with capacity. Um, you know we've seen run with players before get a ton of possessions. Uh, for Dougie to not be able to win his own ball, to even under getting- those, yeah. He needs to be giving us more than single-figure stats. Yeah, we, we've seen him do that before, that he's done a really good run with roll and he's been damaging on the other way. It was just very unusual for me to see him playing mostly up forward. It made me think afterwards, was he? Yeah. Yeah, look, I, don't, I, don't, look, I didn't notice it. It wasn't noticeable um, whether no, he I... had a minding job, but he certainly got off the chain a couple of times. And to me, I've... I, I just don't think he's presenting enough and I don't think he's getting involved in enough contests at the moment. Um, and that's that's probably been the knock on him all year that, uh, you know, I've watched replays where I've seen him jogging five metres off a contest and I'm just thinking, Dougie, get in there, you know. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think he's quite there at the moment. Um, but we'll see how he comes back off the breach. I, I think he's the one. That will probably come out for um, Brad Crouch if he doesn't if he doesn't pick it up. Um, I think the rest of our midfield has, has been pretty serviceable. So, um, and Dave McKay for uh, for all his knockers has has been giving us enough. I think. Yeah, he did quite well um, when he came back in for the West Coast game, and I'd seen him the week before playing the SNFL, and he he played well. And Lions has been making it incredibly hard to drop him. Oh, well, it's taken himself out of the conversation. Uh, he will not yeah. get dropped on form. He might get dropped for preference for another player, but it won't be on form. Or for uh, balance. Exactly. So, uh, anyway, do you have a tip? I know you don't like tipping before selection. <laughs> um, no, but I'm us, and I agree with you. I reckon about 24 points. Yeah, I'm saying between four to six goals. I think the weather will play a part, but um, I'd be disappointed if we fell over the line or if we got done. I think we should win relatively comfortably um, and uh, really uh, make a statement for the second half of the season. Now, Nikki, we were going to get the crew to do a bit of a mid-season report card, but considering all of them are still on holidays... (laughs) um, Buggers. Yeah, bloody idiots. Um... Let's just talk through quickly. Um, I, I'm interested in your thoughts. So basically, um, for those listening, I just wanted us to uh, rate our team out of 10 so far, um, give us our top 10 players and our favourite moments. So uh, what what sort of homework have you done for us, Nick? Um, so as I said before, I gave us a 9 out of 10, but that's because where we thought realistically we were going to be after this first initial run, we're a lot better off than 
what I anticipated and I think most people anticipated. Um, I think the changes in the team are very positive. There's no golden tickets anymore. Um, the PT guys have done an outstanding job with the caveat that, yes, we've had a bit of luck in terms of the contact injuries, et cetera, but they've, they've done very well for us to have such a healthy list. I think the few losses we've had were more to do with um, a lack of judgment on the field, making some mistakes. Even that Geelong game where I thought, yeah, okay, we've been consistently outplayed and we're playing badly. We still had a chance to actually win that game playing badly. I've quite liked the development, what we've done with McGovern and Miller um, up forward. I think there's a really good balance of youth and experience on, on in pretty much every section. Um, as we said before about the coaching, that um, their ability to, to make the changes and the, the tweaks is has been pretty damn good. And the other thing is our SNFL side is going quite well as well. Um, and I quite like that our club has admitted when we've made mistakes. We're not hiding behind them. We said, yep, we got that wrong. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, that's why I kind of gave a, a 9 out of 10. Very good. And uh, your top 10 players this year, maybe a commentary on the first couple? Um, well, I did them in no particular order. And I've done them from the back lines to the midfields. And so there was kind of like three in each section. Yeah. So so Talia, um, he's increased. He's still playing like Talia, but he's attacking. Hardigan, he's just been so good. That's it. Don't have to say any more. Um, Lady was my other um, third defender. We did miss him and his run from the back lines, but he came back in and basically performed at the same level again after having those couple of weeks off and quite rightly should be in all Australian discussions. Yeah. And then I gave an extra defender um, in here. So he's the, the that extra spot. It was a toss-up between this player and Charlie, but I went with Brown. Um, he's so consistent, unheralded. We don't worry about small forwards anymore like we used to. Um, so the midfield, I said Atkins, Sloan and Jacobs. Yeah. So even though Sloan and Jacob started off slow, they're built in and um, the work they've been doing is very good, particularly Jacobs has changed the way he's involved in the midfield play. And then up forward, Walker, Betts and Jenkins. Um, Just the importance of those three um, just can't be diminished at all. And honourable mentions um, to Charlie Cameron, Matt Crouch, Cheney and Seisman. Maybe Lever, but he's had a few shocking kicks and handles. He just needs to tidy those up. Yeah, it's probably the only knock on Jakey at the moment. Uh, certainly um, playing his role very well down there. Um, and your favourite moment so far for the season, Nick? Weirdly enough, it's not Eddie's goal. Um, but I loved in the Port game where there was a, a ball in on the, the wing. Matt Crouch collects it, he handles to Rory, who handles to Rory, who handles to Rory, who handles to Mitch, who then handles back to Rory, who kicks a goal. <laughs> yeah, that'd be your so kind the... of moment. But the thing is, what got me is none of the commentators twigged that it was all the Rory's with just, no. you know, the cameos from the Mitch and the Matt. No. 
We, we definitely need you on the commentary team, Nikki. Maybe we should start a Crowcast game day commentary or something. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just barrack too much. I'm embarrassing. Yeah, well, you know. At least there'd be I someone can't be Rowie, though. Yeah, we're exactly right. Um, look, I've so given us... Well, I've given us a, um, a, a 7 out of 10 at the moment. I'm probably a little bit harsher than I could have been. But I, I feel like we've done everything that's been asked of us. We've only really had one game where I thought we were disappointing, and that was obviously the Geelong game. I, th- I felt like every other game where we were competitive. Um, I would have given us more points if we'd have won a couple of those close games because I think that still is a weakness of our team. Um, and yeah. something that we're going to have to overcome if we're going to take a flag this year. We're going to have to start winning those close ones, uh, particularly in Melbourne. Um, but as you say, given the draw that we've had um, and given uh, where people expected us to be, uh, we've certainly exceeded expectations in that regard. So uh, 7 out of 10 for me, but with uh, an asterisk saying that it's a very good 7 out of 10. Um, my top 10 players... Sloaney, I think, has been our best so far. Um, I just think the bloke does not stop working. And, um, you know, whilst he's not dazzling in terms of his skills and whilst he's, you know, uh, some would say that uh, he's workmanlike, the fact is that the the thing that that epitomised me, uh, for me, uh, Sloaney's impact on the team is when he went back with the flight and tested against Nat Newey late in the game against West Coast. Um, you could have forgiven the guy for not making that contest. No one else was going to make that contest. But he came from a long way back and um, knew he was going to get hurt, did get hurt, and yet, again, it was pivotal in us uh, not allowing them a forward 50 entry. Um, and it was at a point where the game was still up for grabs and uh, that's just how Sloaney plays. I reckon he's uh, a fantastic Laird, I think, is number two. I think we saw the value of Laird actually more so when he wasn't there. Yeah. Um, I think the balance that he gives our defence and uh, his ability to to um, read the play so well, and his also his ability, his first um, his decision making in it and his disposal out of defence uh, really sets up some creative movement for us more so than most of the other defenders. Um, so I think I think uh, he's been invaluable. Um, you might be surprised, but I've given Jenkins number three. Um, simply, well, <laughs> Can we quote this? <clears throat> you can't knock the guy. I mean, let's no, face it. Let's face it. He's uh, he's our leading goal kicker this year. Um, he works he's incredibly hard. hard. To get works incredibly hard to get them. He's an impossible matchup um, for opposition teams within our structure. Um, and, um, you know, uh, he's certainly, I think he, he is the X factor in our in our forward line. You, people talk about bets and all that. They're, they're your stock standard players. You know what you're going to get from Tex. You know what you're going to get from Eddie, etc. But Jenkins can, can do it both ways. Um, and I reckon when, when teams are sitting down at selection uh, to, to play us, they're scratching their heads in terms of what they're going to do with Jenkins. Um, yeah. Number four, Betty, uh, Eddie Betts, obviously. I mean, the guy's a freak. Um, he's, he uh, creates things out of nowhere. And uh, he's had a couple of quiet games this year, but by and large he's been pretty consistent. And he also adds that little bit of uh, 
zip when he goes into the middle. So I think he's been pretty good. Um, I really like Talia's... Can I add to that? Yeah, go. For, for me, it's he will sacrifice his own game if he needs to. So he yes. is the ultimate team man. And I also think that the development of Miller and Charlie are because he's on the field. I agree with that. And I think he's the been work instrumental. He's, yeah. So even though, yes, he doesn't get these high possessions or kick all those goals, there's so much more that he does. That's yeah. the reason why we've done so well. But this is my bloody top ten, so you've Sorry. had your chance. Right? <laughs> um, <coughs> um, I've really liked Talia's season. I think the, the fact that he's been able to add um, um, intercept marking uh, to his game, uh, it's, his possession count is up, his marking's up. Um, so he's no longer just that Dow shutdown defender. He's He hasn't lost any of that, but he's been able to add more strings to his bow. And why he isn't um, more prominent in the All-Australian conversation to date is just indicative of how the media don't don't spread their uh, their binoculars further than the Victorian borders at the moment because he shits all over the other contenders uh, for all Australian centre half back as far as I'm concerned at the moment. Um, Lynchy, I think his uh, season has been underrated. I think when he's quiet and when teams target him, it really affect, affects our transition into forward fifty. So I think he's done pretty well. Rory Atkins for me has probably been the uh, most improved. I love his poise Agreed. around around the contest. I love the fact that he's been able to step up and play confidently and play his role. Um, but I just love the fact that he's got time uh, and he's only going to get better. I, I want to see him in another 50 games. Um, he's just going to get better. Scotty Thompson continues to defy uh, Father Time and I reckon his, yeah. best game was, his best game was his last. He really uh, tightened the screws on, on Pritis. Um, and I think it was his just his his um, his physicality physicality in the contest in that game that really helped us arrest the uh, the disparity in the clearance numbers and get back on top. So I reckon Scotty's done all right, uh, and probably created a few selection headaches because I don't think we expected him to continue to be playing as well. You'd love him to be able to run two ways, but you're not going to get that from Tomo. But if he can continue to provide uh, the body around the contest, then I don't think we're losing too much there. Um, Hardigan, I agree with you. I think, you know, obviously we've talked about the last time we met the Roos. Um, I think he's been rock solid. He, um, at times, he's, he seems like he's playing a little bit on the edge and just about to uh, lose his shit and make an error, but uh, by and large, he's been very good. So I've liked his season. And I think Matty Crouch too, it's not to be underestimated. Matty Crouch is racking up good numbers, um, you know, he's only a young player, um, but he is getting the ball and I think he's really growing into that role as the distributor um, and I've liked his season. I think also um, mentions to uh, Seisman, who's come into the team and done pretty good and been probably um, better defensively than what I expected. He's, laid, he's had some good numbers and he does work back very well, so I think he's been pretty good. Um, and been integral to our running off and rebound off halfback. So there, my 10. And my favourite moment, Nick, yeah. was the team song after the West Coast game. And the reason oh, being yeah. that if you wind back 12 months, and I don't want to harp on this, but if you wind back 12 months, yep. 
to that very same stadium um, and then you you compare that to how we went off the ground uh, last game versus West Coast, it really shows the medal of the group, um, the mateship and teamsmanship in the group and the progress that we've made after such a tragic and ridiculously sad set of circumstances. Um, and I just sat back and watched and thought, geez, you know, it's an amazing effort from our club to bounce back and to be going as well as we are. And it's a real credit to everyone at the club, um, as players, coaches, administration, the whole lot, the fact that we've been able to hold it together, bounce back and, you know, really uh, at this stage, I'd have to be saying we're, we're in premiership contention. So, you know, kudos to everyone down there. That's why we love our footy club, right? Very much so. And as Stamps Group said, it's hard to pick a top 10 when we're playing good team footy because I can't argue with any that you picked and you can't, you couldn't really argue with the ones that I did. No, that's right. Either. That's right. Um, and that's what makes us a hard team to beat and why we're in contention is everybody is playing their role, they're pulling their weight and we don't really have any dead wood. And it is the ethos that Pike is trying to instill at the moment. Team footy. Team first. You know, team first, and um, you're right. It's going to be an interesting BNF this year because there's probably four or five contenders and, and more than a few others that uh, have had good seasons as well. But we're only halfway through. There's nothing uh, for being in good nick in June, nope. so uh, that's why this Thursday is so important. Now, Nikki, to finish off, because we've uh, yes. gone over the hour and we got all political <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you're going to play the f- Wumble song. I'm going to play the Wombles song. One moment, please. Cock rumbling numna of the week. I was actually really hard this week because there's there's pretty much two exemplary standouts, which is Eddie and Brad Scott. I don't and think there's any contest to be honest. I I think it's it's going to end up with Eddie because uh, look, he's just so outdated. Yeah, uh, look, I, I don't think there's many other contenders. I, you know, to be honest with you, what Maguire did, and, and look, you could probably nominate. I know it sounds very cliched, but the fact that it did take a week for that to come out. Uh, yeah, the rest pro- of the media didn't probably nominate everyone. Um, you know, us included. Um, but I think the thing, the other thing that's been. Um, not not been mentioned in regards to all this is the attention that it's taken away from that particular cause. You know, it's become a discussion about Eddie again yep. instead of about MND. And, uh, you know, they did massive work um, um, that, you know, to get to get that off the ground. I mean, uh, Danaher didn't expect anywhere near the support that he's got and, you know, more power, power to him than that. And for, for it to become about Eddie again really pisses me off. So um, I'm I'm happy to give it to Eddie. I think he's a yep. tosser. Which is why I didn't even bother creating a thread because it was like, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I'm certainly um, I'm certainly in agreement with that, Nick. I don't think you get any. I mean, Brad Scott could have, but look, I, I forgive Brad Scott. I think he got fed some information, and in the Should, heat of the moment, yeah, he he, he moment. ran with it. Um, probably shouldn't. He, have, and he did come out, and his apology was correct the next day. Yeah, absolutely. They came out very quickly on the front foot going, yep, we got it wrong. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy to go with Eddie. And I reckon on that Done. note, Nick, we should uh, pull up stumps, call it a day. And oh, and a shout-out to American Crow if he's listening because he lives in a city that's finally won a bloody title. The Cavs. <laughs> the Cavs. How good they was that? Did. Bloody hell, that was. I don't know whether he follows the NBA, but he probably does now just because he lives in Cleveland. So <laughs> n- nice work, uh, American Crow. Yeah, well done, I see. And uh, hopefully you'll be back. He on... did so much work, was it? <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Um, so a couple of things coming up in the next couple of weeks. I did mention that we were going to get on uh, someone from the club to talk about the women's league, so that'll be coming up. Also, for those who don't know, the Austin Crows, our little sister club in the US, actually won their whatever they call it over the there, champion, championship, whatever. Um, and we've been in contact with them as well. Um, and we're going to have their coach on in the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, just He's an ex-Norwood SANFL player, apparently. I forget his name off the top of my head. Tyrrell. Tyrrell, I think it was. Anyway. Okay. Um, so we will have him on as well, and obviously a few more player interviews coming up for the remainder of the season. So uh, thanks very much, Nikki, for being on board tonight have enjoyed the chat it's been quite interesting and we'll look forward to Scorpus announcing the teams or talking about the teams tomorrow night and uh are you going to be on with me on Sunday are you uh depends on what time our game finishes because we're playing a late one up at Mount Barker but I should be well let's hope because it's the highlight of my week Nick (laughs) (laughs) your week's sad (laughs) yeah well there you go all righty. Thanks, Nikki. I'm, we I'm, will... I'm going to go check. I've got the wet weather gear. <laughs> yeah, For you're Thursday. Gonna, you're going to need it. All right. See yep. you later.